Thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. The she in Muller She Wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box. All women and all LGBTQ plus allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting MullerSheWrote.com and become a patron today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote's Russian Roulette Book Club thing. (laughs) Extravaganza. Bonanza. Uh, I'm AG. I'm your anonymous host, Crushing the Hash Act with hash. (laughs) I'm crushing the hash. Hashing the Hatch Act. I'm okay. All right. Yeah, a little alliteration going on there. The Hatchish Act (laughs) is what I really get into. I like that. Uh, With me me as always. (laughs) With me as always is Jalisa Johnson. What's up, guys? And Jordan Coburn. Hello. And uh, today we're going to go through chapters 9 through 12 Mm -hmm. of Russian Roulette. And I love this book so much, you guys. Chapter 9 is called... If it's what you say, I love it. <laughs> so uh, I bet you already know what that's about. But anyway, Goldstone, Goldstone, <laughs> and Amin come back. It means the, you know, the pop singer, the Russian, uh, he's Azerbaijani uh, oh. pop singer, come back into Trump's circle. They come back into his circle with an email to Donald Trump Jr. This is because they, they came to see him earlier on when they were trying to do Trump Tower Moscow 1. Right. But now they're back again. And um, they email Donald Trump Jr. And they say, quote, we have some documents and information that would incriminate Hillary. This is obviously very high level. What do you think is the best way? And would you be able to speak to Amin? Also, I can send to your father via Rona but it's sensitive, so I wanted to send to you first. Rona is Rona Graf. Rona Graf is like the Hope Hicks of email for Donald Trump. Okay. She, she's the, you know, she's the back and forth. You have to, she's the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of Trump. Um, and somebody asked job. us in our main episode, like, why isn't she going to jail? So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, this was an explicit overture from the Russian government to help Trump win the election. We have to re- remember that. When we when we read these things that sure, maybe things didn't happen the way they wanted it to or or, or whatever. But this is Russia saying we want to help you right. win the election. Yeah, very clearly. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. replied, quote, if it's what you say, I love it. <laughs> it's creepy. It is. Um, and then Donald Trump Jr. speaks to Amin and then he emails Goldstone <laughs> and he says, quote, Rob, thanks for the help, unquote. So apparently something's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the emails continue to set up the meeting and Donald Trump Jr. forwarded the whole email chain to Manafort and Kushner. So the, now they know about it. And it was only weeks earlier, you have to remember this, to put it in context, I had this history teacher, and she was the coolest history teacher, because whenever she would tell us about things that happened in history, she would let us know what other things were going on in the world, so we could put it all in context. Oh, yeah, Yeah. reference coins. Yes. And so we have to remember that when this whole email exchange was happening, it was only a couple weeks earlier that Papadopoulos was told... Um, by Mifsud that the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Mm. So to put that in context. So, yeah, the ooh. timeline. So I'm imagining uh, if Papadopoulos had um, communicated that with the campaign, that Kushner uh, and Manafort 
were expecting this. Right. Or at least were like, I oh, heard wind of this. So, yeah, that makes sense. I I mean, Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. <laughs> he, You're why they had to refine the email <laughs> search. <laughs> yeah. Search for Papadop, please. Not just anything, any spelling. Because I call him Papadopadopa. Exactly. And they're all drunk all the time, right? So. <laughs> I think so. It's yeah, they're Papa icing Nanja. each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um that's a reference from one of our minisodes. If you're not a patron, you won't know what we're talking about. Sorry. I <laughs> uh, love you. Um, Subscribe. <laughs> there you go. It's a dollar. It's a dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? You can cancel any time. There's mm-hmm. no contract. Yeah. We don't hold you. I don't. Yeah. I don't make you pay a year. I don't make you pay $12. No. You can just, you know, try and then leave if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so that's what was going on at the time. Um, Papadopoulos was willing to tell anybody about this. So I can't imagine he didn't somehow tell Gordon, who didn't tell Manafort and Kushner. Right. That he had heard this from um, Mifsud. And shortly after that, Scavino tweeted that the Kremlin was sitting on 20,000 Hillary Clinton emails. So, oh, the timing is just really interesting. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that that's something Mueller's looking at. Uh, June 9th. And we all know this pretty well now, if you've, especially if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. Goldstone and three Russians came to Trump Tower, including Veselnitskaya, her translator, Kav- uh, Kavalatse, mm-hmm. and her partner, Akmenshin. So they show up at Trump Tower. Now, Veselnitskaya at the time was repping a guy named Katsif. He was the owner of Prevazon Holdings. And um, because Preet Barara, we all know Preet Barara. Yeah, Preet's the man former U.S. attorney, has got an amazing podcast, check mm-hmm. it out, had charged them with laundering $230 million in stolen tax revenue um, exposed by Magnitsky. If you've listened to episode two or you've not been under a rock for the last seven <laughs> months, you know who Magnitsky is, uh, the lawyer for an American investor uh, in Russia named Bill Browder, right? right? So she, that's who she was repping. She was repping Prevazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Veselnitskaya had hired an American law firm called Baker Hofstetler to represent Prevazon in the U.S. So she's the Russian lawyer. Um, Baker Hofstetler is the U.S. lawyer. And they hired Fusion GPS to discredit Bill Browder and his firm called Hermitage Capital. <laughs> Just a weird coincidence yeah, that, that Fusion GPS ends up on the side of Veselnitskaya. They're freelance. <laughs> they are. They're, they're seriously journalists for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, Veselnitskaya and Akhmenshin had set up an entity called the Human Rights Accountability Global Initiative Foundation. Jordan, you talked about this in episode 17. Yes. Um, They were lobbying against the Magnitsky Act. Um, She was carrying with her a huge file of disinformation about Browder labeled confidential Hmm. that laid out Moscow's case against the Magnitsky Act uh, because she was in the States uh, for a a court hearing in her case with Prevazon Holdings. Um, it was a lot like the file, oddly, that was shared with Dana Rohrabacher two months earlier, mm. <laughs> so, which you also talked about. In yeah, 17. the Putin ally. Yes, <laughs> Rohrabacher. Epic proportions. Ugh. Yeah, for administrations he's and administrations. He's so he's not as fucked as Manafort, but he's no going way. Down. But yeah, it's hard to imagine anyone that could be fucked greater than Manafort. So true. <laughs> yeah, and in so, so many literal and figurative ways. Yeah. Oh God! By multiple countries, he's getting DP'd by the fucking the yeah, world, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know what? You're a jerk. That's what happens. Yeah, you get Donald- jerked around. Sorry, <laughs> it's Don- true. It's Donald okay. Trump Jr. asked. Um, derailed. <laughs> Stay on the rails, crazy train. Sorry. Donald Trump Jr. asked what they had. And uh, then Veselnitskaya went into this long speech about what a dick Browder was and how three of his investors uh, made large tainted donations to the Democratic Party, the Ziff Hmm. brothers, and that Hillary might have gotten some of this tainted money. It was this little tiny mention in her big, long diatribe about Magnitsky and Pravazan and Bill Browder. Yeah. No one seemed interested. Manafort took notes on his phone. Um, Mueller has those notes, by the way, and Simpson read them aloud in his, um, you can read those in the transcripts with the House Intelligence Committee. Mm -hmm. Kushner was late. He showed up late and Donald Trump Jr. looked annoyed and then Manafort looked like he was nodding off. (laughs) Um, So Donald Trump Jr. finally said, can you show us how the money went to Hillary? Yes or no? And Veselnitz guy was like, no. And then she kept on with her lecture. And then Kush actually emailed Kushner, actually emailed one of his assistants. Please call me. Get me out of this meeting. <laughs> Which, is, you know what? I've used that. So I yeah, got big emergency for sure. Mm-hmm. They had they at least their senses were tingling that it, something was weird. Mm. Yeah. But they deserve zero credit. Not so much that it's weird. Just they don't have the 
juice that we thought they had. They, 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 I think they went in there to look home for the emails. Yeah. I can't prove that. That's just conjecture. So Was it? Sorry. No, go ahead. Because I remember when that was first reported, and I, I always thought that it was because they were like, this could be dicey and no. not what we were looking for. No. And then they... That makes sense, though, because then I guess they would have had to have then immediately decided, nah, I'm all in, and then do everything else that they well, did. They said so. that they would love it, and check it out. I'll, I'll tell you about an email that was sent afterwards um, in a second. But basically, so this was going on for a while. Then Donald Trump Jr. said, um, show me how the money is tied to HRC. He just interrupts it, show me how it is. Mm-hmm. She said she couldn't. Then Donald Trump Jr. stopped her and said, look, 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 we can talk about the Magnitsky Act when my dad is president. And then Akhmetshin saw the saw the the meeting was going south. Like they saw that Manafort, Kushner, and DT Jr. were like, "You don't have what we want." Yeah. So he tried to save it by saying, uh, "American conservative women will want to adopt Russian babies, and that would be good for Trump's campaign." But nobody was interested. <laughs> Nobody's buying that. And Kush texted Manafort <laughs> after Kush, and here's what. The, here's where the intent comes in, uh, Jordan, in, in response to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Kush texted Manafort, waste of time. So it wasn't that they were concerned about it being dicey. It was they were pissed that it was a waste of their time. Right. They were looking for straight up dirt on Hillary Clinton. Um, but And we have to remember that what was established at this meeting, um, it established a connection between Trump and Moscow. They knew Putin wanted to help Trump and was willing to work clandestinely to boost his chances. But so they didn't get what they wanted. And they had they had um, said it was a waste of their time and they were upset and annoyed that they didn't get these emails, I, I think. But you could tell that they were annoyed and they said waste of time. But what was established is is the connection between Trump and Moscow. They knew Putin wanted to help Trump and was willing to work clandestinely to boost his chances. And the Trump campaign had shown they were willing to see what they had to offer. Right. So that that's what was established in the June 9th meeting. Meanwhile, uh, relations with Russia were sort of breaking down. They were becoming tense. A U.S. diplomat was attacked outside of the U.S. embassy in mm-hmm. Russia. Remember how we went into in an earlier chapter about how they were like going into their apartments and harassing them and smearing feces on the yeah. wall and killed yeah. a guy's dog and killed God. a guy's bird? Well, so a, a, a diplomat was attacked outside of the embassy and they got it on video. And this this incident is what exposed the fault line in the Obama administration between those who wanted to retaliate and those who wanted to kind of stay cool. Yeah. Um, Biden and Newland wanted to expel diplomats and cut ties and kind of and get rid of Kaspersky Labs and sort of be aggressive, be aggressive. <laughs> and Susan Rice and John Kerry didn't favor harsh retaliation because they were trying to hammer out a deal with Lavrov to end the Syrian civil war. Right. Um, this division would be a weakness in the Obama administration that would become more apparent, particularly when Russia attacked our elections. So that's a good point. Yeah, split them right in the middle. Yeah, and so that and that's interesting that it exposed that division within the Obama administration um, early on, and and that would come into play. That would be a factor later on when when we seriously were attacked. So exactly, yeah. All right, you guys. Chapter ten. WikiLeaks has a very big year ahead. Oh yeah. So uh, I cover this chapter, and uh, it's interesting because. This is uh, Friday, June 10th when it starts. So this was at the Hillary Clinton headquarters uh, for the campaign. and this A day after the June 9th, 2016 yes. meeting, by the way. Exactly. To put it in context. Mm-hmm. Very good point. <laughs> <laughs> so the campaign staff was ushered into a giant conference room. And there was an announcement that was going to be made. So they were told to turn in their laptops. No devices uh, were allowed to be used. There were no exceptions. And they couldn't use their campaign email for anything. They couldn't tell anyone anything. They couldn't tell their mom, couldn't tell their dog. So, <laughs> they yeah. They actually said that. They said, don't tell your mom, don't tell your dog. They meant business. Oh, yeah, dogs, understand snitches. Now. Bitches Thank be you. snitches. I don't know how that works. But uh, bitches get stitches. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I love it. Snitchy bitches. We got to yeah. make merch. Bitches get snitches if you're Russia and you kill their dog. Oh, yeah. Bitches get poisoned for sure. <laughs> so Jalupa, the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign her Ukrainian, name is chalupa which is really cute yeah i like that she's cute. the the hillary clinton ukrainian staffer also she, the most ordered item on taco bell's menu oh definitely Dude. i like the nacho boxes now i'm a mexi Ooh. melt person myself and oh. that's not on the menu anymore okay but i'm a mexi melt and mexican that. pizza oh there you go yeah yeah i've yeah. seen it 
Very nice. So, <laughs> so Chalupa, Chalupa knew that it was Russia immediately. Like she was like, "It's the Russians." I can't. I don't have a. Clue. Oh, that's right. She's the. Um, she's the Ukrainian staffer, staffer that, on the Hillary Clinton campaign. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. she had already been watching Manafort oh, this yeah. whole time. Okay. She was all up okay. in that. Mm-hmm. And Luis Miranda, the uh, communications chief, asked, "What do we say if someone asks us if this is the biggest political burglary since Watergate?" And <laughs> what do we say, say in that scenario? <laughs> a very yeah, specific I mean, scenario. They were onto something, but so- <laughs> someone responded, "Don't worry, no one will ask that." They will totally ask that. <laughs> yeah. This guy was on it. So the DNC uh, wanted to get ahead of this story. They told the Washington Post about the hack, and it came out as a front page news story. But they left out that uh, the important documents that were stolen was that Trump or that uh, Hillary or Trump opposition research, right? All the dirt on Trump. Yeah, I think they just didn't say anything about how important the shit that was stolen was. Exactly. They were just like, they hacked, which we were used to hearing, yeah. right? Like somebody hacked something. Typical like, espionage. Like remember when the Chinese hacked Sony or whatever? Uh-huh. And everyone's like, we and got they hacked. they got the interview or whatever? Is yeah. That yeah. It, it, but they, it, that was just like, and I, I think you're, you're going to talk about this, Shalisa. That's typical espionage. They exactly. just hacked to, to hack. Yeah, yeah. No one thought anything of it at the time. And uh, Wasserman Schultz, she even told Washington Post that they learned about the hack in April instead of seven months earlier when they really found out it with mm-hmm. that mid-level IT guy. And Susan Rice, she thought this was normal espionage. like The, we medieval, the medieval The IT medieval guy. IT mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the LARPer. <laughs> and so... Mm-hmm. Huzzah! Yeah. <laughs> Susan Rice, she basically thought this was normal espionage and, and that Russia wouldn't be able to weaponize any of this material. So they just were right. underestimating they them. They never even thought about it. Yeah, yeah. And so after the Post article, CrowdStrike released their report and it was clear this was not normal espionage. So the report stated that Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear were involved and the aggressive influence ops from, from Fancy Bear in the past made it clear this wasn't typical. So Fancy Bear was known for creating online personas that stole data and weaponized it by leaking it to the public. And they got into the Ukrainian election and they even leaked some fake election results, which really made me sad because it just sounded like what happened to us a little bit. (laughs) And they seized control of a major French TV network and shut them down. They even posted images of ISIS on this French network to make people think that they were ISIS. So their whole deal is to demoralize and confuse their target audiences. And they're pretty successful at it. So the Trump campaign responded to all this by saying that the hoax wasn't actually a hoax, but if it was, the DNC probably did it themselves. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is weird. Uh, <laughs> the hacking isn't real. Yeah, it's not and real. if it is, yeah, the exactly. DNC did it. Absolutely. Because yeah, we know it's going to come out eventually that mm-hmm. it happened. And the Trump response came six days after the Trump Tower meeting when they were told that the Kremlin wanted Trump to be president. So there's a little motive there. And the next day, after the Washington Post and CrowdStrike reports came out, Guccifer 2.0 appeared and took credit for the stolen material. He wanted to basically prove that it was him, and he mocked the CrowdStrike uh, report for saying it was Russians. He also said he wasn't Russian. He said he was a solo actor from Romania. And he said, fuck the Illuminati and their conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, know, you can nice. trust anyone who says fuck the exactly. Illuminati on there. Mostly because the Illuminati is uh, black people, largely. <laughs> yeah, that's, all Beyonce yeah, and Jay-Z, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so the DNC met with the FBI the next day. And Daisy, the head of the campaign, she wanted to know why the FBI didn't inform the top officials at the Hillary campaign sooner. She wanted to know why they went for that medieval guy. <laughs> so <laughs> mid-level guy, <laughs> medieval. Exactly. Did the you? FBI responded vaguely, saying, "We did. It's in our notes." Uh, the FBI confirmed that the hack was Russian, but they claim that you know that they, they did talk to the right people about it. That when bugs in fact, me. And yeah, I just see the FBI in the room go, "No, it's in my notes." Yeah, dismissive. We, we did, and they're like, "Really?" Because it's been seven months, and we're just now finding out. Mm-hmm. So you suck at telling us. Yeah, I don't like that, like blatant lying or covering it up. But I, I guess there are certain like confidential things that go into that. But I don't know. That one's a little sketchy. So the DNC. DNC asked if they'd go public with um, with the information, but they said that or the FBI said that they wouldn't do that because they're not really in the attribution business. And uh, they wanted to leave that as a call for the White House. So they were going to pass that information to them. 
Meanwhile, the intelligence community suspected a Russian connection to Goose for 2.0 because he mentioned WikiLeaks, and they believe that there's a link between Assange and Moscow. So Assange has his own TV uh, TV show on the Russian television network, RT. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear. <laughs> Obama. They've, they've suspected that Assange and WikiLeaks have been in Russia's a Russian asset for a while. Oh, yeah. It, because it, you're, like you said, he had his own TV show. What were some of the other connections? So Obama's Justice Department launched a criminal investigation into Assange after he released the uh, Bradley Manning materials. Mm. Yeah. And uh, just a little side note, Sweden tried to extradite Assange for sexual assault charges, but he claimed that was all just a smear of his reputation to, you know, get him for his Bradley Manning stuff. But who and we knows? do we do say Bradley Manning because at the time uh, it That's was Bradley right. Manning. Yeah, now mm-hmm. Chelsea She Manning. is now Chelsea Manning. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you're absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, Assange clearly hates Hillary Clinton. He publicly uh, called her out and, and told a British reporter that we have upcoming leaks in retaliation to Hillary Clinton. WikiLeaks has a very big year ahead. So, yeah, that's reference to the chapter Sure there. did. Mm-hmm. They delivered on that. So the weeks uh, to follow, Guccifer would release a bunch of documents while taunting Hillary Clinton and CrowdStrike. He said he was Romanian, of course, that Snowden and Assange were modern-day heroes. And uh, he said he was a lone actor. So the thing is, a British, a British cybersecurity researcher named Matt Tate, who went by... Is it pawn all the things? Oh, these are pwn. all. Oh, these are all the clues that they had that exactly. they were Russian, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a yeah pwn all the things. P- this was the guy P W N when you pwn someone. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. He's the one that found out that Lucifer was full of shit. So he dug into the metadata. Well, of, one of a few, a few exactly. people found he, clues. He right? was one of the first. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So he dug into the metadata of all the docs released by Lucifer 2.0, and he noticed that they'd been opened in a program using Russian language options. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty obvious Ooh, clue there. <laughs> he also noticed one of the computer usernames that were referenced uh, to Felix Dzerzhinsky. Oh, Dzerzhinsky. Dzerzhinsky, yeah. He's a Soviet revolutionary that created. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Felix. He's called Felix. He's a KGB guy. Um, I guess he was involved. Oh, he created Lenin's secret police, right? Yeah, exactly. That's who that guy is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so they're like, yeah, not Russians at all. Right, his name was used in one of the usernames, and that was just a weird clue. So finally, uh, he noted that Guccifer's English skills varied greatly from post to post, and this suggested that he was not just one person, but maybe a group of people. Similarly to Trump and his ghostwriter that helps him write tweets. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, and Drake. Wait a minute, so so they're saying that all these posts that Guccifer was making, like the the English abilities sucked in varying levels. Exactly. And so it couldn't have been the same dude. That's mm-hmm. what they... Yep. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're professionals. So I wonder if they almost wanted to get caught, you know? <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder. Well, I mean, you can only... What a lot of this investigation seems like. Yeah, true, true. They're not perfect. You're right. So another expert, Thomas Ridd, found that an IP address used in the DNC hack matched one used in a known Russian hacking uh, into the Bundestag, another IP address used to hack NATO. So... uh, yeah, basically, this was another connection to one of the the previous hacks that were done against the against Ukraine. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so so one of the IP addresses matched one that hacked into the Bundestag, and that mm-hmm. they knew that that was Russian. And then yep. another IP address used to hack NATO, Georgia, and I think and Ukraine, exactly. a human rights group, like a like an anti uh, Yanukovych. Ukraine. Yep. A group in Ukraine. Yeah, they made that connection and they also were... matched another mm-hmm. IP address. So they're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it was totally a known yeah. actor. With all of this, I mean, yeah, back to back, it became so obvious. You guys really need to read this book if you haven't read it. It's <sighs> so comprehensive. I love it. All yeah, the details. It's really good. So, and they do, oh, oh sorry. sorry, no worries. I, I, they do a good job of it being pretty unbiased, too. Like, if anything, yeah. they, they correct things like, yeah, it's... I don't hear it in one person's narrative. It sounds like I'm reading a report for well, sure. Well, that and uh, I was surprised at how, I don't know, I guess how ineffective Obama's policy was against Russia and yeah. that Hillary was like, we have to put our foot down. And Obama's like, I'd rather be diplomatic. Right. Yeah. That whole fault line we were talking about. Syria, mm-hmm. though, right? At the end of chapter 10, you know, where they're like, we want to Syria, we need mm-hmm. to fight ISIS in the region, et cetera. Right. 
and Carrie was against that, and 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 so that right. whole yeah, fault that's line. Split. And so I think what you're talking about here is that whole fault line is going to come to bite them in the ass. Absolutely, they need to be united, and, and they they were clearly. And I love Obama. I'm an Obama. Oh, I yeah. have an Obama tattoo. Of so. course, we're all big um, Obama fans here. Mm-hmm. But his campaign his, for him when I was four. Oh, <laughs> he dropped the ball though in, in a lot of areas. His ineffectiveness. Um, in dealing with Putin, mm-hmm. uh, but but Putin, he didn't really have. He had Medvedev, and Putin took over. But right, his ineffectiveness trying to be diplomatic. It clearly paid a price. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he couldn't have predicted every possible threat would turn out to be the biggest threat. It's but impossible. It's just a tough. And I love back, you, bro. I know you. Of course, listen. I yeah. Know you listen. <laughs> that was just a big one for sure. So uh, just to wrap it all up, a guy named Kaplan was put in charge of the uh, hacking issue in the Hillary campaign, and he devised a strategy against all this. So he told reporters, this isn't about what's in the documents. It's that they're Russians. It's that the Russians are hacking our election. Oh, and we have to, I have to bring this up to, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No worries. But in our main episode, we talk about how, um, who was it that is suing uh, the Qataris for hacking? Uh, that's uh, Broidy. Yeah. Yeah. So remember how I said this is the this is not an odd strategy because mm-hmm. Broidy is saying, you know, it isn't about the embarrassing the details of the emails released. It's, it's about the it's privacy the fact issue. That they hacked me. Mm-hmm. And this is what the strategy for Hillary Clinton's campaign Trump too. was. Trump, too. The leaks aren't real, but the, the, it's the leaks are real, but the news is fake. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So everyone does that. It's like when you find out in by you you pick up your boyfriend's phone mm-hmm. you find out he's cheating on you right but you're a dick for looking at his phone exactly that's kind of the whole yeah like, it's a it's m- a hell mary argument but it, yeah we see patterns here that's the moral argument yeah mm-hmm. who's the actual asshole the, it is exactly the, yeah. the wrongdoer or the person who did wrong finding out you were a wrong it's right. definitely a diversion though the person that has un, you know that exactly. is compromised because then it's like that person wouldn't have had the intention to look into you in that way in the first place had you not been doing. But both those sides things. have done it, and there is an argument that if you go looking for dirt, you're going to find it. But yeah. which, yeah, I think it's sorry. I think it's worse to have the dirt for sure than to find it. Yeah, I, I feel That's that what way. Most people think. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, I think we all need to be real too. All sides have dirt, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. Everyone has. Dirt. I'm not saying uh, AG doesn't have any dirt. <laughs> oh yeah, um, perfect person. No, no, yeah, for, no, for real. Just but like Trump I, dirt versus. I dare you to find it. <laughs> Don't challenge them. Yeah, Trump dirt versus Hillary dirt is like the world will be ruined if he continues on dirt. Exactly. <laughs> versus yeah, yeah, things that are much less. Significant. There are definitely different degrees of it for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, last thing, um, the needle just started to move. In the White House, because uh, this was the first time that that any enemy had weaponized hacks in this way. So the story itself fizzled out, but the DNC still wondered what was going to happen. They had no idea at the time that Podesta's emails had been hacked. And uh, the quote that this chapter leaves off on is, every day we wondered if this will be the day it hits. We just kept waiting for whatever it would be. Yeah, that's the scary part is when you know some shit's been stolen and you mm-hmm. know that they're going to weaponize it. It's not just a hack. It's a weaponized. It's a weaponizer. And what is it? What they get mm-hmm. and what's going to be exactly. Revealed. Yeah, that's why in my office and in my life, I say, write every email as though everyone in the world's going to read it. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> yeah, point. Smart. Yeah. Live your life news, that way. like everyone's going to see it. Yeah, for sure. That's Pose how we, nicely. <laughs> that's how we should all live our lives. Definitely. Like, yeah, uh, it's true. Like, you know, that whole dance like no one's watching, mm-hmm. email like everyone is. Yeah. I think yeah. is the I think is the lesson that we take. Or like how hor- horrifying is it when someone will like CC someone back on a thread and it's like, fuck, they weren't supposed to see everything I wrote before this. Yeah. God damn it. It's the, you know what? If your email, if you don't want to reply all, you shouldn't write it. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. Good advice. All right, you guys, we'll be right back. It costs a lot to make a podcast. In addition to the hours of research and scripting, there's editing, producing, mixing, equipment upgrades, hosting fees, web design, shipping, subscriber management fees. It can really add up, you guys. That's where you come in. Our patrons not only help us make this podcast, but help us continually improve the quality and content. You can support women in podcasting and help us make our show better. And in return, you get exclusive content, like a newsletter, a bonus episode, my show notes, and thank you gifts. So please consider donating. Even if it's just a dollar a month, it helps tremendously. Visit MullerSheWrote.com and click subscribe today. And thank you for listening. 
All right, we're back to our book review. And I hope that uh, I, I, I really felt like we should pair this uh, group of chapters with like maybe a, mm, I don't know, a rosé because it, it's got it's got some legs, but it's not super deep yet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on here. So, it, you know, get a rosé, get a nice rosé, nice sweet then, juicy details. Yeah, yeah. very <laughs> yes, yes, it is a little sweet. I I prefer the dry oh rosés, although I don't think what we're doing is dry. That that that's a weird comparison. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. very Let's wet. Just take that back. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, chapter 11, Jordan, you're going to go through this Yes, for us. Yeah, I really enjoyed this chapter. This chapter was entitled, quote, I have to report this to headquarters. Dun-dun. Mm. Dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, this chapter is centered around Christopher Steele, our homie, and uh, Glenn Simpson as well, and a couple other couple other actors. Hey, did you hear he's on a hit list now? Oh, uh, yes, that's who, right. Hit list? For, uh, this came out in the news. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Russian hit list. Mm-hmm. The KGB ex-spies and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I didn't know that they had a, a hit list that people had access to. Well, the first guy that was poisoned, or not the first, but the one that was poisoned most recently, he was on that list. Yeah, the Skripal guy was on the hit list. Where do and then there's another the guy. Well, another guy who's on the hit list was told by a friend of his in the Kremlin. Yeah. And he was shown the hit list. He's missing. Or he's not missing, but he's like uh, Chris on the of, run. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he's on the lamp and mm-hmm. Steel is on the hit list. Oh, fuck. No. Steel. He's already done the shit. Yeah. And so well, that's Bill why. Bra- so is Bill Browder. Shocker. He's been on there for a while, though, I heard. Yeah. yeah. They've been wanting to kill that guy for a long mm-hmm. time. He's very, like, I guess not proud, but he's um he's a brave guy. Bill Browder. He's like, he's I know they want to. Yeah, he's like, they want to kill me. I'm not sure how to feel about him. Hmm. Good yet. point. Okay. Like, yeah. like everyone's got their secrets. To you're right. You're right. Sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. I'm just trying to situate how I'm yeah. going to have this huge book in front of my face and <laughs> also see you guys. So we all have our laptops. You have a book. You I know. Like. I know. I just, I annotate like a serial killer. I like that's, that. Yeah. That's, that's how I read books. That's amazing. You should take some photos of your yeah. notes. Your research is good. And yeah. post them. Post yeah. them on the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put them Most in the newsletter. Definitely. Yeah. I'm just mainly like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> What the fuck? So kind of like how you are on the podcast? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Circle shit in red going, what the shit Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make some perverted comment that's very indicative of photos. my inner psyche. Yeah. We Definitely. need the photos of that. Yeah. So please, please share. Yeah. Um, okay. So this chapter opens up with a scene set early in June. Uh, two men who we find out very quickly are Christopher Steele and Simpson uh, meet for lunch at an Italian restaurant in London Heathrow Airport. And the, both of these fellows have had a career long history of uncovering and countering the corruption and misdeeds of Putin's regime. So Christopher Steele, as you know, was a British spy. He worked for MI6 for a long time. And then Glenn Simpson, the other guy that was here, is an American who is a Wall Street Journal journalist. He's a renowned investigative journalist, or was a Wall Street journalist, I should say. Mm-hmm. And his specialties involved essentially revealing powerful Russian oligarchs and organized crime figures who had hired Washington lobbyists to advocate for their interests. Well, he's a Washington Post journalist. Yeah. I have Wall Street Journal on here. Oh, okay. Oh, oh both. A uh, Simpson. Yeah. Right? Might be a contributor yeah, for the other. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, no, he, yeah, that's right. He worked for both. Nice. Yeah. But that's cool. WAP. Yeah. Um, I think he ended at WAPO. In, okay. In 2009. I could, okay. It, it might be WSJ. Is it WSJ? This one just says that he was a renowned investigative journalist at the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Uh, I'm a liar. It's, that's all. It's <laughs> that's WSJ, all it which is a conservative. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Which makes sense when you find out what he says about Hillary Clinton later oh. on in the chapter. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Definitely. He's not a fan of Clinton. Um, so in 2009, Simpson had quit the paper to form uh, his own private investigative research firm in Washington. And this was Fusion GPS. <laughs> Turn the page, kiddos. <laughs> It'd be cute if they're reading we actually along. have Turning the Pages. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a, can we do like maybe an illustrated pop-up book? On oh, I'm so down. Oh I'll God. doodle it for us. Yeah. On this, on this story. Just imagine all the scenes. That's well, hilarious. <laughs> then we have someone drinking pol- Polonium tea party. <laughs> exactly. Oh, nice. Pair your book reports with uh, polonium the, tea. The pop up <laughs> happens, a big beautiful tea party, and then, there's, then like blood's black. Yeah, out. that's like, fantastic. I love it. Have you seen the Babadook? 
Yes. It's such a good movie, but remember that messed up book that has the them like fucked up. oh my god it's exactly that you guys we should do a whole separate <laughs> very on the intricate yeah if we could do if we could like tie the babadook into trump i love the I think we could do it okay it's yeah. it's one of my favorite scary movies it's beautiful it's so good well it's about grief right mm-hmm. it's yeah. a thriller yeah mm-hmm. it's more a thriller but, but it's also a complete horror movie but the babadook represents grief yeah exactly yeah. and that's wow. and, and if we have if we do a babadook that represents the grief that we feel that trump is president yeah uh, i think we could just make a really beautiful diorama i like that uh, and then you'd have to actually probably come and see us live but not um, bad yeah you know, we'll work on it and if anyone makes pop-up books <laughs> oh yes minor detail sure. you know whatever that too yeah there's so many amazing scenes to just turn and have pop up like oh shit it's gonna be like a horror pop-up i don't want to see the stormy daniels pop exactly up. oh my god yeah there's the p-tapes pop-up there's <gasps> the Guys. golden shower there's okay glitter comes golden out like gold glitter comes out at you. i know we have a calendar coming out can we but oh my god what if we yeah. sent like gold golden showers um like messages to people like like golden glitter just yeah. like oh, when yeah. you get glitter bombed yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm you down you got trumped <laughs> That's- and then seriously we'll be go viral let's do it everywhere yeah i'll make a note i'll make a note and then it's just trump going i peed on you yeah (laughs) we'll send it to our most homophobic representatives exactly (laughs) despite them yeah grassley enjoy your glitter you piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) try explaining this to your wife (laughs) that shit stays on you forever too yes it is the herpes of craft yeah (laughs) that's really funny yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So, anyways, going back to the book here. So, Glenn Simpson, his firm basically was self-described as doing, or I shouldn't say self-described. Someone described it as journalism for rent. Hmm. He did that uh, in the Fusion GPS transcript. He did. That yeah, was his journalism quote. Journalism for hire. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, basically, his firm's mission was more generally across the board to ward off damaging media stories and investigate the critics of its controversial clients, which means he's not always representing the good guy, more so the people that are just getting attacked. Right. Usually the troubled businesses um, come to him and say, "Uh, hey, these nice people who are suing us, will you find dirt on them? (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty much why he dug into Bill Browder. Yeah. Just another objective note for everyone to know that these people that are uncovering these things are not extremely biased people they're quite the opposite yeah so uh for example in 2012 fusion gps was hired to do oppo research on mitt romney for barack obama bad example of what i was just saying (laughs) (laughs) but it'll come Um, well like they they did they represented herbalife mm -hmm, they um, did yeah for killing a bunch of people scheme and uh, Theranos, mm-hmm. um, which to me sounds like the guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Thanos. I'm sorry. That's Thanos. It's okay. I didn't know the reference anyway. <laughs> but you now that I know, Guardians it's pretty cool. I know. I'm just I'm not pop culture. Just, I'm, yeah. That's very new. Yeah. We don't get out much. Look at me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a page turner. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read, but I like to turn pages. But yeah, Obama, oh, hired, him. Obama hired him to get dirt on Mitt Romney. You know how hard it's got to be to get dirt on Mitt Romney? That guy is a goddamn, well, he's a Mormon. He only yeah. likes mission. So, I but, saw but. him drink a Pepsi once. <gasps> he did it. Clutching <laughs> my pearls. <laughs> but uh, but f- so just a little example of the precedent that was set for this sort of oppa research. The Obama campaign's payments to Fusion GPS they were never publicly dis- uh, disclosed. Instead, the money is paid to the investigative firm itself. So. Uh, what had become standard practice when the oppo research was done on Mitt Romney from beha- on behalf of Obama was that the Obama campaign's contributions to Fusion GPS, they're not publicly disclosed. Uh, the money paid to the investigative firm was reported on campaign disclosure reports as legal bills to the campaign's law firm. Hmm. Perkins. Uh, Perkins Cooey. Yeah. Perkins Cooey. Same, same law firm that represented the Hillary campaign. Oh, nice. Good to know. That's Mark Elias and, and Perkins Cooey. Yeah, Coey, yeah. We hear Coey, about Mark Coey. Elias in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And so uh, more recently, Fusion GPS had assisted an American law firm defending Prevazon, the Russian-owned company accused in the U.S. of laundering money. And this was the case that had actually spurred Congress to pass the Magnitsky Act. Mm-hmm. So we've all heard of Prevazon. <laughs> Uh, and my side note says, 
Oh, so they did work for the other side. Yeah, <laughs> they did. And what's really interesting is when you listen, if you ever, I don't know, have uh, no life and several hours to listen to the Fusion GPS interviews <laughs> like me, you'll notice that when the Republicans ask questions of Glenn Simpson, they always want to know about Prevazon. Mm-hmm. And when the Democrats are asking questions, they want to know about Trump. So it's it's mm. it's an interesting makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, why did you care so much? Yes. <laughs> like they were trying. Like they're trying to establish that Fusion GPS worked with the Russians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that's Simpson. Then we move on to Christopher Steele. Uh, in 2009, he has this guy Chris Burroughs, who is his his buddy, and they come together and they create Orbis Business Intelligence, which is, so they're spies for hire, basically. Mm-hmm. Steele was known as the heart of the operation in terms of gathering all the actual information, and Burroughs was kind of known as the salesman who could understand the context of who was asking and why, what things actually meant. He would sort of vet the things Steele would bring to him. Right, because he kind of knew better what was Oh, that doesn't sound real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The market of information yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah, had a good totally. grasp on. Uh, and Steele just had an extremely deep understanding of Compromont because this guy has dedicated his life to trying to essentially uncover Russia's corruption. Information. Yeah, and if for yeah. some reason you're just now, this is the first thing you've ever listened to for, uh, listened to from us, Compromont is Russia getting compromising... Uh, information on you so they can blackmail you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It is a tactic they've been using since before the Cold War. Yes. Exactly. And so this firm gets a bunch of work. In one case, the company was hired to buy a British insurance company operating in Russia that was being harassed by... I'm sorry. <laughs> was hired by a British insurance company operating in Russia that was being harassed by Russian tax collectors. And then Steele discovers the reason. It was that the son of the chief Russian regulator had a rival business. So Steele discovers this connection. They He essentially threatens them and says if this harassment doesn't stop the word is going to spread that it was because of that corrupt reason and then the the harassment stopped so that's mm-hmm. nice uh, fast forward to 2010 Steele and Burroughs land a major assignment and this was FIFA so the case in FIFA this is when Russia was selected in 2018 and Qatar was selected in 2022 and this was after the Americans and the Brits have put in a huge amount of effort into getting the bid and so of course, when it gets awarded to Russia and Qatar, there's a lot of dubious thoughts going on by the Brits and Americans. They're convinced that the decision was a result of corruption that included payoffs. Mm-hmm. Finds It turns out that it was. Putin was using friendly oligarchs to slip bribes to FIFA board members. Right. And in that in that case, um, Christopher Steele met with a, an American FBI agent named Mike Gaeta. Mm-hmm who was also a Russia expert, and he shared a dossier, he's a dossier guy, (laughs) on the FIFA corruption, um, where he had photos of of Blatter, the Blader, Mm -hmm. I guess, the guy who runs it. Yeah. um, Like partying it up with this other guy who had previously tried to fix the Olympics. Yeah, (laughs) Alimson Toktanov. Yeah, so that the Russians would win ice skating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was also also caught laundering tens of millions of dollars through a Cypriot bank uh, for Russian oligarchs in a gambling ring. He ran out of, get this, Trump Tower. (laughs) (laughs) That is nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. And the indictment on that guy was actually announced by James Comey. Fun fact. Oh, so nice to mm-hmm. watch. Have you watched that indictment? No. You sh- it's it's on video. It's on Pornhub. Ah, I'm sorry. It's on C-SPAN. Oh, that's really funny. I would <laughs> my love to Pornhub. Watch that. That's amazing. So Steele establishes himself as a credible source of the FBI. Then he does the same thing with the U.S. State Department in 2014 when he reports on the Ukrainian crisis and all of uh, the stuff that's going on there. So between May 2014 and February 2016, Steele sent Newland of the State Department 120 reports about political and diplomatic developments in Russia and Ukraine. And that's the same Newland we were talking about in the main episode, uh, who's the uh, DNC uh, staffer who is Ukrainian connected. Mm -hmm. That's why she has all this information is because Steele sent her all this shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep, and the memos were covering efforts to evade the Western sanctions and activities of various oligarchs. So by the spring of 2016, Steele is now essentially just deemed a valuable supplier of intelligence to not only the FBI, but also the State Department. And he's trusted. He's a trusted source in uncovering Russia corruption. 
So, Simpson and his firm had been investigating Trump for months. Initially, his client was the Washington Free Beacon, as we've talked about, which is a conservative website (laughs) funded by a billionaire hedge fund kingpin, Paul Singer. Part of the conservative Never Trump movement, which is a movement I can get behind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So, they stopped wanting to fund that research, though, and then this is when they actually went and pitched to Mark Elias who you were talking about, the Democratic lawyer who served as the right, chief counsel Kuhi. for the Clinton campaign mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the DNC. They pitched to him all this information. He- and it, that's important because in the in this whole like Devin Nunes bullshit, when they say that uh, Hillary went out and found this and paid for it, Hillary had no idea. And actually Perkins Coie, who Mark Elias works for, really had no idea this was going on. And th- the only reason they did is because... Simpson came to pitch it to them. Yep. Right. So they came to the Clinton campaign via a law firm. And I think that actually, no, I know. I actually, it goes over in the book. Hillary Clinton didn't have any idea that any of this was going Mm -hmm. on. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not until later. And then it's also ironic because Simpson was the Clinton camp. um, Sorry was the Clinton campaign's chief undercover oppo man. That's ironic that he became that because when he started, he had zero sympathies for the Clintons and actually spent a large time investigating them and under trying to uproot stories about foreign money that they had received from China, Indonesia, and other countries. Yeah, he says, quote, I had no interest in working for Hillary fucking Clinton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He said, but now Trump is a bigger and more sinister threat. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the only thing that really happened was Donna Brazile, who ended up taking over the DNC after uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz had to resign because of the Podesta hacks. Not not because they were hacked, but because of the information in the hack. Yeah. uh, Apparently, Donna Brazile went to Mark Elias of Perkins Coie and said, what the fuck is going on? Is Fusion working on behalf of, of... is on behalf of Hillary, is he working on Russia? And and Mark Elias goes, you don't want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's Donna Brazil. Yep. Wow. And we haven't seen her in a while. Did she go to jail? Like she's always on. <laughs> she's always on like the TV on yeah. like uh, on on news. Uh, you know, she's a talking head. But I haven't seen her in a million years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and and so Simpson is already starting to uncover that Ivanka and Jared, they have weird social relationships with Russian oligarchs. They're learning things about Deutsche Banks and the loans that Donald Trump has received. And then he meets with Steele. And at this point, uh, Simpson knew something else that he didn't know, which was the Democratic Party got hacked. Oh, that, okay. So Simpson hired Steele, but he didn't tell. He Steele didn't tell him that he knew the DNC had mm-hmm. been hacked. Yep. Uh, and he didn't. He also didn't tell Steele that the Russians may be interfering in the election on behalf of Trump. He didn't mention any of that. Mm-hmm. I think because probably because he wanted to like keep. I don't know the integrity of the investigation. Yeah, I think so. And he was just hoping. I think yeah, exactly. He was going to be able to move forward with it, just going on off of the leads that he had without being influenced by any of those other horrendous acts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Steele got a contract. It was like a month-to-month contract, basically. And he just kept finding shit that was too good to pass up, so he kept <laughs> doing it. Uh, Steele got in touch with one of his chief sources in Russia, who is called The Collector, oh. quote-unquote. And his collector informed Steele that the Russians had been targeting and cultivating Trump for years and had gathered compromise on him. Specifically, these tales of weird sexual indiscretions, which we all know as the P-Tapes. <laughs> and apparently um, these were open secrets in Moscow. Yeah. yeah. Like everyone was That's like, what the oh, yeah, yeah. Saying. yeah. P, yeah, P. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, P. Mm-hmm. And Trump it's not P. a surprise to people because Russia has a history of using sexual compromise against people. Yeah, they did it with Yeltsin's guy mm-hmm. or uh, the Yeltsin's opponent. Yeah, exactly. They did. I think that was the one where they had like a blurry campaign sort of commercial thing that came on. And then they said, oh, the guy in that who was with the prostitutes that are also in the image was actually this guy. Yeah, it was Yeltsin's opponent. And Yeltsin was so thankful that he uh, because Putin actually Putin was in charge of the KGB at that time. And Yeltsin was so thankful. He's like, Putin, 
you're next. You get to take over for me. Mm-hmm. That's how Putin became got into power. He's a smart guy. Well, evil guy, but smart. That's Kompromat. That's yep. that the whole reason Putin is in charge of Russia right now is because of Kompromat. He used that strategy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. he set he sets himself up as the person that puts the rubber stamp on whatever. So mm-hmm. he's like Yep, that's him. That's him in the video. Whoa. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and then everyone is like, thank you, Putin. Exactly. For telling us how messed up everyone else yeah. is. And um, the same source reported having heard Putin express his desire to return to the 19th century style of great power in politics, in which nations would essentially pursue their own interests rather than ideals-based international order. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Right. That's world war three material yeah for sure and unfortunately he is uh becoming increasingly successful with creating chaos yeah, not with he has the world no, he but, has right. no he has no opposition here yeah in america so. yeah it's insane um so then then we start we learn a little bit more about um the specifics of the p tapes this chapter kind of ends on a little bit of a undefined note i think about the p tapes Mm -hmm. that they were very not sensationalized by any means there was actually a fear from simpson that they were going to be seen as sensationalized so they even hesitated to bring them to people yeah well burroughs thought that at first too right because because steel went to burroughs and Mm -hmm. he's like look and burroughs goes what the fuck Mm -hmm. what the fuck is a golden shower i've never heard of that (laughs) yeah and and he he Burroughs thought Steele was sensationalizing it, just like you said. And he goes, "Where? Why did you use the word perverted in here?" And Steele's like, "Cause that's what he said." Yeah, wow. yeah. So like they, everyone was like, "This is a little just. This is a little too much." Exactly. But then it just winds up being that things were getting corroborated left and right, and it was like, "All right, well then we got to move forward with this. This is." compromise of the highest degree we have evidence that putin's been working on trump for the least at least the last five years trying to prime him essentially to be an agent of russia and the u.s did they say in this chapter who um told the collector about the p-tapes who person was it person d or source d source where is the collector here okay we got according to source See, the Trump operation was part of Putin's overall plan to sow disunity. That's just another fun one. Source A, still reported. So many sources. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I don't know if it says exactly what source is. I think it does say somewhere. I think later on, I think it says that the yeah, uh, collector, right. the collector says source D was um, uh, Sergey Milian. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Source D. He's the guy who retained who. Uh, was retained to locate Russians by Trump. Trump actually retained him to locate Russians uh, to buy properties yeah, in the United States, right? Yeah, 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 right? that's right. Mm-hmm. Million, he had that little stupid um, company in the United States or whatever, like it's like eight people worked Belarusian there. Belarusian like American yeah. businessman, yeah. And he, he was like a bragger though. So that was another reason people were like not sort of willing to take the P-tape too seriously because the guy who, who reported on the P-tape was Million, who te- I guess yeah. he tends to be like a sensationalizer, like a yeah. Oh well, I've done nine million things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, he's described as a Trump intimate, which is always just not oh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not we have good he's on yet. our fantasy indictment team for sure. Yeah. Um, so over time, Steele's faith in this sex claim actually kind of fades a little bit, and then in the end, Steele says that he thinks the odds of it being real are about fifty fifty. Hmm. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just specifically the P thing. Right, because he says the whole rest of his dossier is about 70, 70 to 90% to 80. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. accurate. But the P tape, 50-50. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, that's pretty bad. I mean, it's I think... coin flip. Yeah, it kind of sucks that people are like, oh, you're going to say he got pissed on by hookers and stuff. And it's like, I get I get why people would think that that's an absurd thing to... It's it's not the crux of this, though. That's a complete misunderstanding. No, that but everyone's focused on it mm-hmm. because it's, they were worried about the sensationalism. Exactly. Yeah. And for the record, there's nothing wrong with getting peed on. I, I feel like that's one of the yeah. points is that it's not that the act itself is so weird. It's it, In America, it's pretty common. Yeah, but he also... Sorry. The idea, yeah, you're right, is that he's compromised and that he feels embarrassed about it himself and that that could be used in policy. Yeah, I mean, the act itself... Well, is, I think the thing was is that it was in the room that's what Obama I was going to say. It's Obama. Right. And he we, had the prostitutes 
uh, piss on the bed that Obama slept. Yeah, in. yeah. So it wasn't even, which sounds it like it wasn't even Trump. a kinky sex golden shower situation. It was a and when he denied it, he said that I'm too much of a germaphobe to do that. So he was really denying the peeing on him. He wasn't denying the peeing on the bed. Yeah, good and, point. And I actually don't. I've never once thought that he got peed on. I, I thought he was you. watching them peeing on the bed. I pictured Obama it too slept. many times. I yeah. pictured it with him getting peed on as well. Until exactly. I read this chapter. Yeah, when I heard oh. Trump and pee, I just yeah, yeah. I couldn't help. Yeah, but basically, Steel, Steel, and Simpson when they meet, um, it's it's just enough evidence for Simpson to compel. You know, he's compelled uh, to tell Steel. Well, Steel calls Michael Gaeta, that FBI contact on the FIFA case, and he tells him that he has something to see. They meet up. He shows him it, and then that is when Gaeta says the quote that is the title of the chapter: "I have to report this to headquarters." Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Exactly. Thank you so much, Jordan. You're welcome. Very well done. Thank you. Very excessively thorough. Chapter yeah, <laughs> 11. And now finally, chapter 12. As for the Ukraine Amendment, excellent work. Um, this chapter opens basically describing the scene at Hillary headquarters the day Comey was going to make his announcement about whether or not Hillary was going to be indicted. Right. On the email thing. We were all sort of watching this. So uh, everyone gathered at home at uh, homey at uh, <laughs> Hillary headquarters, like watching the TV, like, what the fuck's going to happen? And Comey said, first of all, he said, this is unprecedented. And uh, I rarely would make statements like this. But because of the special circumstances, I feel the need that I, I, I feel the need to give details. Mm-hmm. Right. So he said that they reviewed 30,000 emails of Hillary's and found 110 emails on 52 chains that contain classified information. And although we did not find clear evidence that Hillary violated the law, there is evidence that she was extremely careless. And those right. are actually harsh words from the FBI. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, since Trump has become president, we've sort of lost sight of what are harsh words and what are not. <laughs> um, but that's actually a harsh thing to say. Careless, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and meanwhile, the FBI was about to begin investigating Trump's campaign. That We didn't know this, though. Mm. This is right around the time. Uh, the Steele memo had arrived at headquarters that same week, and it had gotten the attention of counterintelligence. So mm-hmm. right around that time when they're, when Comey's like, uh, decide, you know, announcing whether or not he's going to indict Hillary, that's when that Steele report came in. So interesting, yeah. Earlier that year, Carter Page was invited to speak in Moscow. And this, we're going to, we're going to shift over to Carter Page really quickly. Um, he, he he was going to speak at a school in Moscow that had direct ties to the Kremlin. The deputy prime minister of Russia, remember the guy who Manaf- or who uh, Deripaska picked up in Moscow after meeting with Kalimnik and Manafort and mm-hmm. went on the yacht and stuff? The deputy prime minister of Russia, Dvorkovich, was the school's chairman that Page spoke at. Mm-hmm. And Page had delusional, delusional aspirations of being the ambassador to Russia. <laughs> Uh, in a Trump White House. So he had like these big fond feelings about himself. Yeah. Um, He'd written a ton of policy papers for the campaign, but only one was accepted. But when Trump made the speech on that policy, none of Page's material was used and that pissed off Page. He called up uh, Gordon, J.D. Gordon. He was like, what the fuck, bro? Uh, And he said, you know what? I'm going to travel to Russia and and make the speech. And... uh, to to the school and make a speech and and gordon refused he goes no fucking way like (laughs) so page hung up and he went around gordon uh and he called lewandowski and lewandowski approved but he told page you can you can't go as a campaign representative you can only go in your own private capacity Mm -hmm. so page went and he gave his speech he met with multiple Russians, including Dvorkovich, and a guy named uh, Baranov. He was the second in charge under Sechin at Rosneft. Um, the The book here then talks about Page's run-in with uh, a three-man Russian spy ring in 2013, right? We've all talked about this. Um, they offered him possible energy contracts in Russia, these three guys, mm-hmm. in exchange for information, which Page, Page happily supplied, right? But then he ended up getting nothing in return. <laughs> One of the spies called him an idiot and said, quote, <laughs> he said, quote, you promise a favor for a favor. You get the documents, then you tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah, <laughs> he got played. That's what you do with, that seems with like, Carter Page. <laughs> yeah. That seems um, like such an obvious thing to do. I'm surprised more people don't do it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to start doing it that I've way. I've run into that. I've run into that. In in, in 2015, uh, two years later, the FBI brought charges against these three Russians. Two of them fled, and one of them went to prison. 
Page was not charged in the case, uh, but the operation had placed him on the FBI's radar screen. Like, mm-hmm. we should watch this guy. He's clearly a target right? Um, for the Russians. Um, he wants to sell energy in Russia. He wants to do contracts in Russia. I th- you know, they're like, he's, he's compromised. He's an asset. Um, his trip to Moscow made the FBI wonder if uh, one of Trump's campaign advisors was being manipulated by the Kremlin, mm. right? Maybe he's being, you know. So at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Trump's weird relationship with Russia was not discussed, but his ties to Moscow were sort of like hanging out in the background, right? Because Flynn did an interview with Yahoo News on the first day. Like Yahoo had a tent, right? <laughs> and he, he hung out. And he's like, what's up? I'm Flynn. <laughs> and uh, on the first day of the convention with a reporter named Michael Isakoff, oh. who's one of the authors of this book, mm. where Isakoff asked him if he'd recently been paid by RT for speaking at one of their events, RT being Russian television mm-hmm. and state television. Mm-hmm. And he sat uh, and, oh, didn't you recently go to this event? Weren't you paid by Russia? And didn't you sit with Putin at like a next to Putin at the table? And Flynn denied it. He was like, no, I don't even know. He sounded like Manafort in our opening credits. <laughs> credits. He's like, I, I, that's not my position. Uh, he said, I didn't take any money from the Russians. And Isakov said, well, who paid you? Um, and he goes, you're going to have to talk to my speaking agency. Hmm. Uh, and then he goes, <laughs> ah, speaking so agency. what if I did take money? Anyway, Isakov published the story and Flynn then wrote him like a pissy email about oh. it. And he's like, what the shit, dude? I just wrote a book saying Russia was a dick. <laughs> So Flynn would later uh, give the speech um, at the RNC where he'd lead the crowd in chance of lock her up. Oh, infamous her up. speech, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pence would also give a speech slamming Hillary Clinton and Obama for feigning resets with Russia and, and playing fast and loose with confidential information. And I actually don't blame him for the way Obama handled Russia. Not Hillary, because Hillary was like, come on, dude, let's fuck with him. But Obama was like, let's be cool. Yeah. Um, so his speech included that, but then also he was saying that, 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 you know, because of Hillary's emails that they, she sucked at handling confidential information because Trump is so good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he said that Trump would stand up for our allies, even though later that night in a spontaneous New York times interview, Trump would indicate he might not honor NATO obligations, which is just what Putin wanted to hear and what everyone else in the world was like, yeah, destabilizing alliances. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Mm. Anyway, during the convention, uh, multiple Trump aides... M- of all the aides that you could catch, Trump aides would be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have Trump aides? Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, tough luck. Trump aides met with Kislyak, uh, including Sessions, Page, and Gordon. Like, like, oh, you know, no big deal. And And honestly, meeting with the Russian ambassador... Maybe not a big deal, but why the fuck is the Russian ambassador Russian ambassador at the Republican National yeah, Convention? Yeah, and why so many Russians? <laughs> uh, U.S. intel would intercept a call Kislyak made back to Russia after the convention, telling them about how he spoke with Sessions and discussed Trump's position on policy matters of concern to the Russian government. <laughs> so, fuck you. <laughs> Basically. Um, nope, didn't, I, I did not have any contacts with the Russians at that time. <laughs> I've, been, I've been called a surrogate at a time or two. <laughs> I did not, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we intercepted conversations of Kislyak calling Russia back saying, I talked to this fucking guy and he oh told me God. some shit you won't even believe. In the weeks leading up to the convention, there was like this bitter fight about the platform policy on Ukraine, right? And Gordon, J.D. Gordon, was assigned to monitor the process to make sure Trump's policies were honored. And So enter Dana Denman. Uh, she's an actress, a Republican whatever uh and ted cruz she was a ted cruz advocate but she was staunchly against russian meddling in ukrainian elections and the annexation of of crimea she was really she was a hardliner on russia she was there to intensify sanctions against russia and to in her she wanted to put a thing in the in the gop uh platform that she wanted to lethally arm the ukrainians against russia so gordon began questioning uh her language 
and then made a call to John Mashburn. And Jordan, you talk about this in the main episode. Mm -hmm. And then another aide made a call to Rick Dearborn. And Rick Dearborn showed up and he made sure the language about arming the Ukraine was removed. Ridiculous. Yeah. So this prompted media attention, wondering if Manafort was involved, given his past association with, you know, pro-Putin Ukrainian separatists. Mm -hmm. But there was no evidence that Manafort was involved. So we'll find that out soon enough. Yeah. But Page shot Gordon an email saying, as for the Ukraine amendment, excellent work. Oh, my God. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they completely just took that lethal arm, arming the Ukrainians out. Just wiped it out. And and most Republicans were for that. Yeah. Anti-Russian. Most Republicans it's a different anti-Russian. GOP right now. We're, this is not the same group of Republicans. It is. That, yeah, it's a different. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's the end of chapter 12. So It's getting good. It is. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually... I'm actually kind of personally concerned for my mental well-being when I have to read 13 through 15, 16. Oh, my God. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, thanks for joining us, you guys. This is awesome. And we only have, I think, two weeks left of this. Yeah, but then we got Comey's Higher Loyalty. Higher Loyalty. Yeah. Uh, I think he's doing a book tour and he's doing all these lectures. Oh he's going to be on TV a lot. Please come to it. San Diego, Comey. He is, but tickets are like eight fifty. It's like what? Hamilton. What? Oh, he's big time now. It's like Hamilton yeah, tickets. Yeah, he's Where famous. Where the fuck does that money go? Uh-huh. To his beautiful right to physique. I don't know. His to gym his, membership. <laughs> to his gym membership. Maybe to McCabe's retirement fund. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there was and, a GoFundMe for that, by the way. Andy, we oh. love you. He's over a half a million dollars for that. Good for oh, him. Yes. I'm down. I so love it. Anyone wants to send any of that to us we'd be hey, happy to you know yeah whatever you want happy to <laughs> take that uh that's so sweet just a little in the hole that must feel i could just imagine him watching the like the money meter tick up and him just yeah. crying like oh god a single justice tear <laughs> single mccabe justice tear <laughs> of awesomeness <laughs> You guys are amazing. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I've been AG. I'm Jaleesa Johnson. I'm a Jordan Coburn. This is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and mixing by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber manager is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our web design and creative is by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is MullerSheWrote.com. M-S-W Media. <laughs>